You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, before we get started, I want to shout out to our friends at Dodge. We all know that Dodge means horsepower and muscle, but did you know J.D. Power ranked Dodge number one for initial quality? J.D. Power also named Dodge the automotive company with the best driver appeal for mass markets. That's number one in initial quality and appeal in the same year. It's the first time a domestic automotive brand ran away with both awards in the same year. And, you know, with enough style, horsepower, and performance to make your muscle car dreams come true, it's no wonder these guys are taking the awards. There's never been a better time now to join the Brotherhood of Muscle. See your local Dodge dealer today or visit Dodge.com. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. There it is. I hear it back there. All right, guys. Welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndre, with Bill Goldberg. How you doing, a fitting buddy? Intro, a fitting intro to the final show of the year. Let's button it up, finish it up, yeah. and kick 2020 out the freaking door. Oh, my door. God. I'm so done with 2020 for so many reasons, but uh, I'm with you on that. This is uh last show of the year. Yeah, it's, um, it's going uh, to be interesting, though, because we've got a great guest uh, before we get started, uh, a shout out to our friends at Dodge. We all know that Dodge means horsepower and muscle, but did you know that J.D. Power ranked Dodge number one for initial quality? J.D. Power also named Dodge the automotive company with the best driver appeal for mass market brands. So there's never been a better time now to join the Brotherhood of Muscle. See your local Dodge dealer today or visit Dodge.com. All right, so we got Dr. Jamie Meyer coming in as well Uh uh, we'll get into a little bit about who Jamie is, but used to be at GM Performance Parts, and now is the head of PRI, which is Performance Racing Industry. It's it's a part of SEMA. He can explain it, and uh, it's very interesting of what they're doing. He's got an incredible background as well. But um, uh, as far as uh, what's going on, as we're waiting for him, I don't know if you saw some of the posts, but. I, I cracked open that uh, that engine for the lightning. I cracked open that dart short block. Uh, I, I was talking about it with my shift and steer guys as well, Brad Fanshaw and Aaron Hagar. And um, I, I don't know, just just I know it's it's a push rod motor. I wanted something kind of old school with this thing. We did a lot of period correct stuff. We talked about do I go with the new intake? Do I use the original GT40 intake? And can I? hog it out and the whole thing. And I'm doing that. And, and of course the guy that's porting it keeps chiming in on, on like Facebook. He's like, this thing's going to outflow anything out there. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. You're going to love this thing. And he's cutting and welding and cutting and welding. And uh, he's definitely doing a lot of work on it. So I feel good about how that's turning out, but I've always wanted like a dart aluminum block, even as a kid reading like hot rod magazine and flipping through going, man, those things are just unobtainium. Like they're expensive and you, you can't get them. And they're and like, there's just different things when you're going to build them and, and, and all kinds of fun stuff. And then when I, when I sat down to do a deal with dart for this truck, we sat there, we did the deal. We're like, let's do 427 short block. We're going to do J E uh, pistons, blower ready pistons. And then the, when the whole thing's done, I thought about it. I sent him an email. I go, how much to upgrade to aluminum block? <laughs> and they hit me back with not an insignificant number. And I was like, 
I just got to say, yes, just do it. So I, I did it and it's, it's beautiful. It's such a work of art. It looks so good. Uh, my buddy, Sean, over at our shop over here at, at Adam's garage, uh, he, you know, he was like, hey, let's unload the block. We'll put it on the stand. And he's like, oh, let me get the forklift. I go, oh, it's aluminum, uh, sir. <laughs> this thing, it's super light. Like, we use the forklift anyway because we're lazy. But uh, it was so easy to just move around. Uh, and it's, it's, the block alone is going to cut 100 pounds off the front end. And then, because oh, yeah. I got an iron block. And the iron heads, I'm probably going to cut 60 pounds by going to the aluminum heads. And then just moving the battery to the back, I'm going to take another 40 pounds off the front. I mean, that's 200 pounds off the front of the car. Now it's starting to make a difference. Huge. I can imagine. So uh, I got a bunch of parts on order from Jags. I got the cam in and, uh, and, uh, Every day it looks like Christmas on your Instagram. That's awesome. I, I, I know I'm getting the parts in. I'm excited about building it. Um, there's a few parts on back order that I'm waiting for, but I just want to get the cam installed and dialed in and uh, we'll take it for there uh, from there. Let's see. We got, uh, we got Jamie waiting in the wings, but yeah, it's going to be exciting. Once I get the cam in, see the heads aren't on it. So if I can bring, if I can put the cam in it and then I can dial in the cam and, and degree the cam with, without the heads, it's much easier and all that. But anyway, Dr. Jamie Meyer, my old buddy. How are you, sir? It's been a long, it's been a long time, it seems like. Yes. What's up, Matt? Good to see you. Uh, things are going very well. Thanks for joining us. We got Bill Goldberg here. He's on his uh he's on his little little ranch, his little compound in uh How in you doing, Doc? Good to see you again. Good to see you. Merry Christmas, guys. Always a Merry, pleasure. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. So Jamie and I go way back, I don't know, 15 years probably. It's it's definitely been a minute. <laughs> and uh Jamie's one of the one of the first guys. Uh I, he's heard this story before, but sort of one of the first guys that I ever met that kind of gave me some attention in the automotive world. I I was moving out of my my career in technology and going to automotive, and I just knew about the SEMA show. And I did one of these moves where I was like, I'm going to try to go to SEMA. I don't know how. I don't know much about it. I just need to go in and start introducing myself. And I, I managed to get in. Um, it seemed a little easier back then. <laughs> there's not a lot, a lot of, of now there's, there's like dogs and cops and, and all kinds of stuff at the, at the door. So you can't get anything in. Uh, Still but, possible. Yeah. But, uh, I, I got in, I went around to every one of these big companies that I, I looked up to and admired every Holly Edelbrock, GM Ford. And, uh, I, I, I went over to, GM performance parts booth at the time. It's Chevrolet performance parts, I believe now. And I went up to the nice little information desk. And I said, who's the boss? And they go, well, that guy over there, Jamie Myers, the boss. And, and I went over, I was like, Hey, Jamie, my name is Matt. They said, you're the boss. This is what I'm doing. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and Jamie was like, all right, sit down, tell me about it. And, uh, and I did, he's like, you know, you should meet this guy and you should meet this guy. And I could send an email for this guy. And, and that's, that's how it started. It's just completely out of the blue, walked up to this guy, said what I was interested in doing. And without knowing me, he just said, yeah, let me see what I can do to help. Here's some people you should meet. Come and 
come in. So now we all know Jamie's responsible for all of this. This is all Jamie's fault. Well, imagine what I could do for you, Bill. Oh my God. I should have, I should have met you 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. So uh, that, that's kind of how the relationship started with Jamie. Now keep in mind, Jamie has done so much in, in this performance parts world. Like we're just going to throw out a little bit of credit here. The Copo Camaro, the badass drag race Camaro, largely done because Jamie made it happen. The whole idea of the E-Rod crate engine, an emissions legal crate engine, that was all basically spearheaded by by Jamie when he was at uh, GM and Chevrolet. At some point, we're going to let you talk, Jamie. But let me just get let me just get through. <laughs> let me just get like dude. We got to build you up. Do 20 more minutes of this and then uh, and then we could do whatever whatever you want but um, uh, so anyway uh, a lot big drag racing background um, motorsports background uh, the the LX race block LX shoot LSX shootout uh, NMCA drag racing series all this all this wonderful stuff just a hardcore just lover of drag racing and uh, from all levels, right? From NHRA, the big fast cars to the entry level stuff. Jamie's been a fan of that for a long time. Uh, but now you're the head of PRI. How the hell did you land that gig? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, look, good. Hey, thank you for the introduction. I mean, it's, it's very kind and Matt, you know, you and I have been friends for a long time and uh, you know, that passion that you had back then, that first day at SEMA, you know, you still have it, right? Look at all the great things you've you've been doing. So thank you as a fan of yours and a fan of the industry. You know, thanks for what you guys do. Um, look, thank you. Uh, my, my run at GM and Chevrolet performance was great. You know, as you pointed out, I got, I got to work with some great people, do some great projects, uh, and uh, learned a lot, right? Got great exposure. Um Chevrolet continues. They've got a great racing program, got great products uh, coming out to folks uh, around the world. Uh, but I had been exposed to uh, the initiative of PRI. You know, PRI was purchased by SEMA almost 10 years ago. Uh, I served on the SEMA board for a year and a half and, and got exposure to the big push in racing. And PRI was really being positioned to take uh, a leadership role to help all racers, Matt, the sportsman folks, all the way up to the professional sanctioning bodies uh, and, and folks that don't go to races every weekend, but we want to help them. So PRI, uh, you know, we know it as a trade show. Have you guys both been to the PRI trade show in December? I, I haven't because it's in December and it's in Indy. And, yeah, nor and I. I'm a West Coast kid. I don't know if I can handle this. The call. <laughs> <laughs> we well, can make it in June. I'll be out there in June. <laughs> I'll get you guys a nice room that overlooks a trade show next year and, and it'll be set at 85 degrees and we'll bring <laughs> for you guys. Sweet. And you can go to the biggest racing trade show on the face of the planet. So I'll offer that up to you right out of the gate. How's that sound? I'm, I'm there. I, I actually really, really want to go to PRI, but I've also PRI. The trade show is always very close to the SEMA show. Now, did it did it start off that way long ago, or is this by design? Does this just have to do so everyone can pack up their booth and go there, or or is that not really the case? Like, why so close together? You know, it was always uh, started in '86. It was always independent of the SEMA show, and it's 
the, the timing, Matt, is largely dictated by the racing schedule, right? So if you think about all your sanctioning bodies have kind of wrapped up, there's a lot of independent award shows that go on by the different sanctioning bodies. Uh, you know Steve Wolcott and NMCA and NMRA, they always do their award shows in Indy the week of PRI. But uh, that, that racing season really dictates when you can run a trade show like this. And it sets up the next year, right? By January, February, the sanctioning bodies are back up and running. Uh, but it gives a great chance for racers to see new product, manufacturers to launch new stuff, new race cars to debut. Uh, 65,000 people at our last event in 19 uh, with 1,200 exhibitors. And the city of Indianapolis is just so kind and, and great partners. But the, the initiative now at PRIs, uh, how do you bring that uh, every day of the year? How do you expand the reach of PRI? So that's, that's really why they brought me in and, and opened up this position. So let, let's back up uh, just a little bit for those that aren't actually familiar with PRI. What is PRI? You know, no, that's great. Uh, stands for Performance Racing Industry. It's uh, been the world's leading racing trade show uh, since 1986. Uh, it has moved around a little bit. Uh, it was in Indianapolis for a few years and moved to Orlando for seven or eight years. And then there was another show that had popped up in Indy. Uh, Scooter Brothers was the chairman of the SEMA board uh, nine, 10 years ago, and he moved, uh, obviously, with the help of Chris Kirsting and Bill Miller at SEMA to purchase PRI from Steve Lewis, uh, who's uh, the gentleman that started the trade show PRI, and put it under the larger SEMA umbrella. So it was always a for-profit entity, but it was brought into the SEMA, more of an advocacy and nonprofit world. And for the last uh, nine years has operated uh, in that capacity. And this year uh, we've really had to go to work on the advocacy side with so many racetracks uh, being shut down and so many manufacturers kind of struggling uh, with manufacturing efforts uh, because of the pandemic. So um, there's a lot more work there, Matt, and uh, I'm happy to get into that with you more. So the, the, the SEMA show, SEMA as an organization, people are familiar with, but the SEMA show is what people are really familiar with. It's such this, this annual debut of the coolest cars, the coolest builds, um, but of course, all of the, uh, the new releases of the biggest and best and coolest parts, uh, aftermarket parts out there. Um, but the SEMA organization, like as you were saying, as a nonprofit, does a lot uh, in, in helping us, uh, let's say support the industry from, from lobbying on the Hill in, in Washington, DC to arguing, you know, uh, about everything from our, our rights to modify cars, to drive cars, to race cars, uh, legislation and on a federal level, just every state county, like just, it goes deeper and deeper, deeper. Uh, SEMA does a lot to sort of protect our rights in that respect. Um, so PRI, uh, the PRI show was basically like a SEMA show, but more toward the hardcore racing stuff. So, uh, so much more of the, the racing elements. Now, a lot of the same companies, like our friends at ComCams, uh, you know, they make a ton in the hardcore racing arena. So they would debut their consumer stuff at SEMA and then their racing stuff at PRI. But now that PRI has been absorbed into, acquired into to SEMA, it gives you guys the ability to, 
essentially rebrand this thing as a nonprofit, restructured as a nonprofit, still do the PRI show, but now you guys can go and lobby for a lot of things as a nonprofit to, to keep, keep our right to race and to love racing and go to racing and, and, and tracks. And uh, I imagine salt flats and, you know, uh, uh, you know, things that seem to be deteriorating over the years, uh, politically (laughs) more, more than anything. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's all of that. And it, for the casual car enthusiast and, and definitely for the casual racer, they don't realize how much of this way of life can be threatened and, and already has been threatened. If you live in California, you, you kind of get an idea with carb and, and what kind of limitations you can have to modify vehicles. Uh, and, and it's not that we're there to, to fight that all the way back, but just to make sure that uh, as our lobbyists in DC say, if you don't, uh, if you don't have a voice or if you don't have a seat at the table, you're on the menu, right? So we want to make sure we always have a voice for the industry. Uh, you know, the RPM Act has been a big push by SEMA and PRI activists. Uh, that was the EPA's attempt to really define modifying streetcars. But in doing so, the language was such that it said, look, you can't modify any street vehicle for racing. Uh, now, really what they wanted to do is keep the race parts off the street, but by, by outlawing or, or almost outlawing all streetcars being modified to race cars, well, that's 90% of the racing in the United States. So we've had to get involved and we continue to push to kind of clarify that language. But uh, look, we're, we're coming off one of the strangest elections ever. We've got a very different administration that's going to go in. Uh, they may have a very different view uh, on race cars and loud cars and burning fuel and all the things that folks that watch your show uh, really love. Uh, and, and look, even in Georgia right now, there's two senator seats that are uh, up for vote. Uh, those two seats, if they were to go Democratic, uh, would give complete control of the Democrats in Washington. You know, our advisors are telling us, look, we have to have the Republicans win those two seats so the Senate remains Republican. And then there's that balance in Washington and we can have a conversation. And those types of things are what SEMA and PRI are taking on. Just, just Matt, for background for you and Bill. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, the whole thing is kind of interesting. I always wondered when things like the RPM Act start to get written and they're saying, oh, you can't do this to your car or that to your car. What, at what point do they bring in somebody like you or your team from PRI or SEMA. It seems like every time these things come up, something gets written, it's going to go out. And now we're all like, we need to act quickly. You know, we need to, we need to change the language. How come it seems like nobody ever thinks to involve the right people? So if, if, if a couple of politicians are sitting on the hill going, Hey, we want clean air. We want to, which means we got to limit race cars. We got to limit this. Well, who's telling them that's the problem? And then why aren't they consulting people that know what they're talking about? I mean, we can get into this debate in there's these funny sure. memes, the funny memes all over the place of of uh you know the the cartoon you know the the cartoon of the muscle car sitting on the road with the circle and the line going through it next to the uh you know whatever the Tesla or the Prius uh but 
then there's the little cartoon cable going out of the back of the Prius all the way to some industrial power plant with smoke spewing out and it's going, well, this is just so whoever's driving the car can feel better about themselves. You know, like I, I'm not going to claim to be an expert, especially on something like EPA and the emission stuff. But when this pandemic hit and we had to shut down factories and we locked down people, Certainly, we locked down people, and immediately we started to see cleaner air because nobody was on the roads, nobody was doing anything. But in in places like like China and very heavily industrial industrial areas, as soon as they got shut down, not only did their air get cleaner above the factories, it started to repair the hole in the ozone they fixed. That's how much junk they're spitting up in the air from those places versus our cars. Uh, it's I was I was in uh, Vegas um, a, a while back. I was there. Uh, it might even have been SEMA a year ago. I don't remember what. Or we were doing something. Adam Carolla was there with me. And one of his guys, uh, like a road manager, uh, you guys know, uh, uh, Mike August were there. We we're at the Cosmo and the Cosmopolitan has this huge, like kind of underground garage where all the car, all the people get dropped off and picked up. So the whole like entrance of the hotel is under the garage and it's full of cars. And, and during SEMA, there's like the F-150 monster trucks with the air horns on them and all that stuff. And Mike is standing down there going, how can all these cars be down here? And we can just stand down here and the air seems fine. And Adam said, because that F-150 is cleaner than a hundred, you know, it's, it's cleaner than, you know, a hundred F-150s is cleaner than one leaf blower. If you were to walk through that garage with one leaf blower, everybody would be dying in there, <laughs> right? People would be screaming and yelling and coughing and trying to run out the door. <laughs> Well, look, look, this is, this is about the conversation. Yeah. Here. <laughs> yeah how do you respond to that? <laughs> That's just me getting fired up. Carry, carry on. <laughs> this happens all the time, Bill. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> Don't get me started on dealer markups, but. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, you guys are over for Please. Me no, uh, but look, you're asking the right questions, right? Like how do we have that conversation and who represents all of that collectively, and it's it's been SEMA for, for several decades. You know, for, for racing this summer, we we launched the PRI uh, ambassador program. We had three folks, Tom Deary, Gene Bergstrom, and Frank Hawley, who were going from track to track and just asking, you know, what's going on? How can we help you? You know, folk, the, these tracks were closed, Bill. You couldn't go to these tracks. Uh, you know, we think we can just jump in our hot rods and go race, go drag race, whatever. These guys were shut down for several months. And it, it largely took the right conversation with the right regional or local or state official to understand that a racetrack, you can control the crowd. You can control where people sit. You can do online ticket sales. You can do touchless uh, transactions at the gate. You know, those types of things. It wasn't a concert. It wasn't a bar. And the racetracks were kind of lumped into those business groups. So with a little bit of clarification and a little bit of conversation, we could help get these tracks back open. And that's what drives this industry, right? That's what allows the manufacturers to innovate. The race cars are out there consuming their goods, uh, and we can keep things going. So PRI is continuing to push uh, even now. 
to set up state coalitions so these racetracks can come together uh, and have that conversation, Matt. So uh, that's some of the work we do outside of the show. Well, from what I've read, the ambassador program, as you just stated, um, is a must. You know, it provides a voice for these small, for for all the tracks, whether it be a big track, whether it be a small track. But um, you can be a conduit and a bridge to uh, getting it done right. Yeah, and it's got to continue, right? I I think we're going to have these continued pressures, and it's it's that optics of you know why are you guys over there racing? Why are you burning that fuel? And and really, you got to turn around and go look at all the good racing does. Look at what good it does for the community. Oh, yeah. Look at the spirit that it brings to the American way of life and the international way of life. Uh, look at the competition. Look at the engineering. You know, Bill, you've built tons of cars. Think about all the innovation that comes out of racing that goes into those vehicles. You know, that we've got to turn this conversation around and really represent racing. So, so that's where we're headed, guys. Well, thankfully, we've got guys like you representing us. So thanks for what you do, for sure. Thank you. We, we always kind of thought, so Bill and I, unfortunately, this past year, for obvious reasons, we couldn't give out any tickets away to events. But um, we, we, we kept advocating for people to go to live events, to go to racing events. So we worked with, uh, with uh, NASCAR and Bristol Motor Speedway, NHRA, IndyCar. We worked with all of them and gave out tickets to all of those events um, at Laguna Seca and, uh, I think Pomona and a couple places. And, and it was fun to do. And, and we definitely want to be able to do that again. I mean, we didn't want to just get behind one program. We wanted people to experience several programs. Um, but that being said, there's something about NHRA drag racing specifically that seems more of the family affair than anything. I see more like, parents and kids going or, you know, than, than almost any of the, of the racing. I just think because it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like a fair, like it's kind of fun in that respect. Like I'm not just generation around the food, but like everything's open. Like you can walk up to the pits, you can see the people thrash on the cars, you can say hi to the team and the drivers. And, and, uh, and, and I kept explaining to people, I said, you have to go to a real drag racing event because when you watch it on TV, it's loud as hell. But when you're on the in the grandstands, you feel all of it. You smell it. You feel it. It, it feels like someone's pushing you down. Like if you try to stand up with one of those cars is is blown by. It is absolutely incredible. And Bill and I have been fortunate enough to be able to go several times, and we got to do a little. We got to go. Uh, we we actually got to to race. Um, in a couple of uh, uh, 392s, uh, Dodge 392s in Pomona. You know, by the way, that's huge. We got to go on the racetrack in Pomona and drag race each other. It was unbelievable. It was just un- unbelievable to be able to do something like that, get in that line and and do everything wrong. <laughs> but here's, the, here's, here's the big overlying question, though. Yeah. The question is, is that, <clears throat> you know, Jamie, Matt and I, along with most every other gearhead, knows – how cool the experience is, but we've seen throughout, you know, recent times that the, that the attendance has been down. And so taking that into consideration prior to COVID now with COVID, um, how do you get people to the track? 
Yeah, it, it, it's going to be uh, a continual effort. You know, SEMA has large programs to help get kids, uh, and they actually work with NHRA last year to get kids exposed to racing. PRI will continue that. But, you know, Bill, you kind of, you got to find them where people live, right? And if, if you want to get to the kids, they're on whatever social media platform they are. So it was something we need to talk about is the PRI road tour, but all the content that came out of that, uh, you know, we put it where people were in their daily lives. So you could find it on the website at performanceracing.com, or you could find it on YouTube. We even launched a TikTok channel, which sounds kind of crazy at the surface, but if you got 10 to 15 year olds that are hanging out for 20 hours a day on TikTok. You got to do what 10 to 15 year olds do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. So Bill, you know, I can't, I can't all, I can't get them in my car and take them all to the track, but I can get them that little 10 second or 15 second clip. And it may make them say, what is that? I've never seen that before. Absolutely. You know, I want a little, little bit more of that in my life. And that's where we're at. We're at right now. Bravo. Yeah, you know, I want to talk about the uh, the the road tour that you guys did, but just out of curiosity, um, like Bill mentioned, attendance has been down a, a bit in in racing. What other sort of setbacks has twenty twenty brought? Are we losing a lot of tracks, or is it recoverable? Like, is, is this is this going to bounce back in a year or so, or, or has some significant damage been done? You know, we're, we're still asking that questions and doing that market study right now. I can, I can tell you a little bit of it. Um, some tracks had the best years uh, ever, uh, and they adapted. Uh, you know, some Bingo. sanctioning bodies had the best years ever because they, they found a way to get open, and they didn't just stick to the old ways. You know, instead of spectator passes – they sold pit passes, you know, whatever was, was allowed and comfortable in the region. Uh, I took my Corvette to the NMCA race in Martin, Michigan. Uh, Steve Wolcott was holding one of his big Super Bowl events there. They had over 700 race cars in competition, you know, and, and I'll get a phone call from someone that says, well, there's no one racing cars anymore. And I, and I have to correct them and say, they are, you just, that might not be at your track. It might not Gotta be find them. eight. You know, but there's a lot of racing going on. And, and Matt, I think along with that is the manufacturers, right? There were manufacturers struggled early uh, in March and April as, as folks got sick or their doors got shut down. But as they reopened and people were locked in their homes, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this, everybody stayed at home and worked on those project cars and those mm-hmm. race cars that they've been waiting years to get to. So I'm hearing manufacturers up. 25 to 50%. Now, you know, you guys have done a bunch of marketing and you know this industry real well, right? If I was a manufacturer and I came to you and I said, hey, Matt, I'll give you whatever marketing budget you want, but you've got to get me up 25 to 50% next year, you'd take it because you're an entrepreneur, but you know you wouldn't be able to do that in a normal market. Like, I want to set the tone for people to realize, like, 20 was a struggle, but there's people in our industry doing very, very well. And, you know, Matt and Bill, the exciting part is 21. Where are they going to go racing with all these new cars that they built? That'll well, be- no question that. And we've talked about it for months. It's, it's a, a, a proper time for reinvention. And if there's one thing about the car culture, it's uh, people don't sit on their hands, you know? So uh, with all this extra time, 
not only have they been completing projects, but they've been able to reinvent the way they advertise and hopefully, i.e. the NHRA is coming up with different strategies to them, you know, uh, to set into place in 2021. Because, you know, there's no question Matt and I will be out there advocating for any type of, uh, of uh, automotive uh, race, uh, of motorsports racing for damn sure. So you've got us <laughs> in your corner and um, anything we can do. It's just, it's, it's actually as bad a year as 2020 has been for a number of reasons. I'm excited for 2021 to see how everybody comes out of the gate. Me too. Me too. Well said, Bill. Now, uh, Jamie, do you have, do you have any advice or suggestions to people listening to the show on what we can all do to support this effort? Yeah. uh, Look, I can talk a little bit about what's coming, but right now you certainly can get tuned into what SEMA and PRI is doing. So go to the websites, get signed up for the e-newsletter that comes out weekly. Uh, And, you know, there's a SEMA Action Network that is that is a pack in Washington, D.C. You're welcome to make donations to help help the fight there. Uh, we're just going to have to get more political to support our racetracks. You know, that's, that's where it really starts. Now, what's coming is the SEMA board uh, and my PRI advisory uh, committee are very supportive of an international membership program where PRI would step forward to be that leadership group, uh, have the membership of individual racers, and then the manufacturers, the more professional side, the manufacturers and the racetracks to really bring everybody together. You, you guys know this, but uh, we use the word tribal, right? We've got the drag racing tribe and we've got the circle track tribe. And they don't they don't necessarily overlap too much. But man, if, if we were to tell all of them that someone's going to take away your ability to go racing, yeah. uh, you know, that's a motivated group of people. They just got to be informed. It's yeah, called, that tactical <laughs> advantage. You, the the more people you have on your side, the the better you can perform. So, I, I guess the message is this: is is you know, so many of us, especially people listening to the show, they love racing, they love watching it, maybe going to events, uh, participating, and they can. But just know that there are things happening to take this away from us, and so we should be a little more active, uh, you know, I'm not saying change your lives, but like just push, just add this as a checklist, you know, like uh, some of the things that Jamie was saying, but by the way, even your local cha- tracks that are, that are out there, uh, you know, big or small, you know, feel free to go to their website or their social media and say, Hey, add me to your newsletter, put me on your mailing list, you know, keep me informed. I want to know what's going on. I want to be able to come out to events. Uh, I, I don't want to just sort of go blindly and think no more events are happening or I shouldn't go to events. Like tell me when events are happening or, or send me an email newsletter and say, we're thinking of opening. Would you attend? And then, you know, I, I don't know you're asking that question unless you ask me that question. Right. So uh, keep, keep us informed by all means. And, and I'm sure uh, we would want to participate, you know, it's just, and look, Matt, one of the easiest things people can do is go to your local racetrack. Just get out there, buy a ticket, you know, and, and if you can take a friend, man, that does a lot. You know, if just a few few more folks do that every Friday night at your local drag strip, that helps those folks make it through a tough time. So, um, Right on. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the PRI uh, uh, road tour that you guys went on. And don't be afraid to be specific because you stopped out and visited 
a, a number of, I don't know, maybe 80 different companies. Yeah. And, yeah. and we're, we're craving uh, news about the performance parts. I, I did to the best I could, the, uh, virtual SEMA show. And I found some pretty cool things, but we're, we're pretty much nerdy with, with the latest and greatest parts that are out now. Um, some things that, that did catch our attention that I'm sure you, you saw as well is one Edelbrock being combined with comp performance group. So Edelbrock and comp cams, all one massive company. And that gave them the ability to not just launch an Edelbrock supercharger, but now there's a supercharger package that includes cam and tuning and and a whole thing. So that's kind of cool. Um, I, I love the new Tremec five-speed transmission. Finally, we have a five-speed that fits in all the muscle cars that didn't fit the TKO, right? Because that TKO is a big, a big transmission. So now we got a smoother shifting, smaller case, you know, a, a retrofit five-speed transmission. And uh, what I love about that is obviously the packaging, but what you're talking about is this isn't a, a transmission from a modern day car. This isn't, oh, hey, you know, a new, you know, new Corvette came out with a seven speed manual. And now it's available for the aftermarket. The guys at Tremec said, we want something purely for the aftermarket, something that's going to fit the need of our muscle car. Fans. And we, we, you know, we know what I'm saying like, like an OEM didn't pay for it. They did it on their own. So anyway, that's that's my precursor to uh, all the, the fun stuff. I hope you got to see on your your road tour. Well, no, I thank you. I, I appreciate the interest. It it was quite a pivot, right, guys? I mean, we went from uh, September timeframe. Hey, uh, you know, we're still hanging tough. We still think we can get folks into Indianapolis, and Indianapolis as a hosting city is an amazing partner. Um, but their, uh, their county board health officials have a tough job and guys, nobody knows what's going to happen here. And at the end of it, it, the way it was shaping up, we just couldn't have a physical trade show. So we, uh, we decided to cancel the show, uh, two weeks later, you know, we had a plan, we had a budget and we most importantly had SEMA board approval to put the world's best content creators in a van, uh, put them out on the road. And for me, it was easy to describe, right? SEMA put out a virtual effort. It it fit because they're such a big entity. For PRI, we wanted that intimacy of people being able to tell their story. For manufacturers, we all talk about their new parts. For racers, to talk about their new cars. So that meant we had to go see them. So the 22nd pitch is, look, we're going to take the show on the road and we're going to go visit these people. I had the luxury of a very talented mm-hmm. trade show team anchored by Karen Davidson, who's got decades of experience with high-performance parts manufacturers. They put the list together quickly. Uh, we put together a, a great agency staff. Uh, Driveline Studios really quarterbacked it for me. They're my agency of record for social media. That's Justin Sessler who I had recruited to come work at an agency called 110 in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I stole him away from that so he could be uh, his own agency and go to work for PRI. So uh, they hit the road in the van. We started in Indianapolis. Just, uh, you know, that's where everything is for PRI. We started in Indy, the heart of the racing industry. 
uh, spent some time with Antron Brown and his two sons, who are very talented junior dragster racers. We went to the track there, went to Chip Ganassi, spent some time with some of the Honda team members there from IndyCar, uh, and continued up to the Midwest. We went to HP Tuners. Uh, you want to talk about some interesting mm-hmm. technology? Uh, yeah. They're cracking into everything. And uh, now that I'm out of uh, GM, I can cheer them on and say, uh, go get into the C8 <laughs> as quick as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, went and saw the Greek who just retired from top fuel drag racing. Uh, unbelievable twin supercharged Hemi dragster that he showed us that it, the man had built in the, the late 50s, early 60s. Uh, and his last pass was against Leah in Las Vegas. I'm sure you saw it. And ironically, he ran a 426. That was his last quarter mile pass as a professional drag racer. Nice. Wow. Uh, They left Chicago, went through Detroit. Uh, I was on several of the stops with the OEs, went to uh, Chevrolet, went to the performance uh, drivetrain area there. Actually shot that cover with a Corvette uh, Mm -hmm. in Pontiac. So got some exposure to some of the new crate engines coming from GM. Spent some time uh, with Ford. They got that new Godzilla crate engine. Have you got one of those Godzilla crate engines yet, Matt? No, I wish I did. <laughs> I, I know some people. We got, we got to get <laughs> Here we go. Maybe oh, one for each gods. Our right, uh, right turn on the lightning build. Uh, all right. Well, now I'm listening. I just ordered the new Mach 1. So. Oh, my uh, God. Uh, so we're going to look forward to that, but people are really into it. It's a push rod crate engine. The thing makes crazy power and pulse finicky had it yeah. in, in a Cobra jet drag car. I think ran nines, I think with a little shot on it. So, uh, they're doing some great things there. Uh, spent some time with my friend, Mark Whitney over at Mopar. They've got a new uh, drag pack program. You know, I couldn't get that engineer to tell me how much horsepower it really makes bill. Can you believe these guys? Yes, I can believe those guys. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't get a bit. Yeah, well. Yeah, now I'll we've do, done I'll do that on that one later. <laughs> we, we've done this as well because I remember going by, by SEMA and seeing like the Copo with the crazy supercharger that's this big and going, hey, Jamie, how much it makes? He's like, officially 425. I'm like, yes, no <laughs> yeah, <way."> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, you're like, per cylinder. You got to play <laughs> Yeah. So uh, we the, the tour continued from Detroit. Uh, made it made a couple stops uh, in Cleveland. You know, Flaming River was on the the trip. Went through the Carolinas, uh, and the content continues to come out on all of our channels. But I think you guys are going to see some stuff from from North Carolina. That's just, I mean, it really touches your heart. You think about you know, you guys are more kind of California based, so hot rodding started out there. But you really you really look at what's what happened in North Carolina uh, and how NASCAR got started and how circle track racing got started. We, we talked to some of those folks, some of the early cars we had access to uh, just, man, I'm going to tell you something. If you're, if you're a racer at any level, that area of the country really speaks to you and really, really touches you about what, what that's why they live, you know? uh, We try living in Dawsonville, Georgia for 18 years. (laughs) <laughs> oh, we did go to Georgia, Bill, and uh, I was there. I met uh, with uh, Kelly Loeffler's uh, representative. We talked a little bit about what's going on in the state of Georgia. I've touched on that already, but if 
if you got family or friends uh, in Georgia, really important that they vote for racing uh, for those two Senate seats. Uh, we were uh, at uh, Vengeance Racing, Bill. And I don't know if you've ever been to Vengeance in uh, Cumming, Georgia. No, no sir. Right, right near where I used to live, though. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, that is a spectacular facility. I'm happy to set up a visit if you ever want to go up there. One of the leading uh, high-performance GM uh, speed shops in the world. And, uh, you know, it, it's fun now because uh, you, you just don't know how fast cars are. But I was talking, uh, Ron took me over to one of these C7 Corvettes. And he's like, you know, they have a race division now at Vengeance and they have kind of a street division. And so he did give me a little bit of a tip. And he's like, well, this is a good customer. We took the race engine and we put it in this car, but it was my old engine. And, you know, he goes, well, how fast do you think it is? And I'm like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, man, it's got big tires, but, it, you know, it's got a turbo on it. I'm like, it looks really fast. It probably runs, probably runs 880s, Ron. He goes, yeah, it runs 730s. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, so that's yeah, kind of stuff. But uh, we went through Texas. Uh, we did go to Memphis, got to see comp cams, uh, driven racing oils, and hypertech. Mm-hmm. So got to touch the Memphis area, a little pocket of, of racers there. Went through Texas. Uh, so that's I mean, where I am, Jamie, now. That's where I live now. Yeah. And, and, you know, Bill, we could do an entire month in Texas. You got oh, so many, no question. So many racers. Uh, and we love the folks there in Texas. Uh, went through Phoenix and made our way to California. Uh, and for the last two weeks, we just wrapped it this last Friday, Matt. Day 70 on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, over 90 stops, including manufacturers, racetracks. Uh, race shops, 9,000 miles, uh, over 12 states visited. Uh, and I was constantly worried about the team's safety from, you know, just the normal stuff that can happen on a road trip. But obviously with a pandemic, our hosting manufacturers were incredibly kind. Uh, we had a great logistics team and the team was masked and washed their hands. You know, all the equipment was wiped down after every stop. Uh, and I, I'll probably wait another week until I really declare victory, but we haven't had any incidents of anybody getting sick. So uh, right the, the social channels are exploding. I'll give you a few numbers, Matt, and then, then yeah. questions. But uh, we've basically doubled the viewership of the social media channels for PRI. Uh, we'll have around 20 million uh, media impressions in a very targeted audience with about 14 million unique folks uh, tuning in. And, and this was a great give back. Folks should know that, that we didn't charge for this. We were budgeted by uh, the SEMA board to go out and do the right thing for the racing industry. And just like you guys, we just want to raise awareness that all of these good people are out there doing what they love. And, uh, you know, we might have to do this again sometime soon, Matt. So you and Bill are always welcome on tour. There couldn't have been a, a, uh, a better investment for their money during these circumstances, as, uh, you know, other than doing what you guys just did. So bravo. Thank you. Are, are all the videos up or are you guys still, you're still producing videos and creating videos? Yeah. You, you know, look guys, you, you do this stuff all the time, right? So we would yeah. have, uh, there was a driver to make sure they got there safe. I had a logistics person on board, Michelle, who did an amazing job, Wade's the driver. Michelle was the person that 
where are we going? What time you got to be there? When do you got to leave? Make sure they're fed. Make sure they got a room at night. You know, those are important things. And then up to four creative people on the van at one time. Yeah. Uh, Brian Lambert was our videographer with his team. I said Justin Sessler. Uh, we had Kevin Diasi and Andrew Link were some of the other photographers that joined in. Uh, and they would have from two to four stops every day. You know, Matt, so you've done a lot of content in your career. They tried to get out stuff as quick as they could at the end of the day. They'd edit those videos and put them together. But you're going to see long-form stuff for months to come. It's it's quite a treasure trove of content for the racing world. So I'll tell you what you guys do for everybody that's listening. Of course, you can go to the website. You can go to performanceracing.com, and you can click on videos. Um, but uh, what I would suggest you do is – Go to YouTube and performance racing industry is their YouTube channel. Subscribe to their YouTube channel. So as new things pop up, you will get notified of it. So uh, definitely go there. Check that out. Already tons of videos, like you said, that are up there. Um, uh, many from from this from this very recent road tour. So uh, go to YouTube, subscribe to Performance Racing Industry uh, channel, and you can also check out performanceracing.com. Jamie, thank you so much. We appreciate you, uh, uh, you doing this with us. Um, it's our last show of the year. We're so glad we got to do it with you. Everybody in the industry loves you. We're lucky to have you part of the industry. And, uh, and, and now an advocate for racing. I can't think of anybody better to, to, to take on this role. This is a newly appointed role. I'm not sure that, uh, I think once SEMA acquired, uh, PRI, it was a great trade show, but then started to realize the advocacy that needed to be in place to, to, you know, keep our, our, our racing and our, our sports, uh, together. So, uh, you have such a passion for this, um, from the minute I met you uh, a million years ago. Uh, until now. So I can't think of a better person to be able to do this. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. It's been a pleasure to spend some time with you. I wish you a happy holidays, a happy new year, and I'll, I'll see you at a racetrack sometime soon. All right. Thank happy you so holidays, much. Jamie. Thank you, sir. Bye guys. Uh, always love talking to, uh, to, to Jamie. I'm going to um, tell you guys about our friends at Geico. You guys own your home or you rent your home. Either way, it can be a lot of work. But you know what's easy? It's bundling your policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. And that's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home already. Just go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. All right. So before we wrap up, I just want to check in and see what's going on these projects. First of all, let me just say, uh, we love Jamie. The first half of that interview in the background is your dog walking around, taking a shit all over the lawn. And then the second, the second half of the interview is, I think, Gage walking around with a bucket, picking, picking up all the, the dogs with this oh. big red bucket walking around. I see the dog walking around. You know, after breakfast, I guess. And, hey, man, it's it's the end of 2020. What a better way to cap it off than taking up dog shit behind me in the background. We what, I was trying to do, what I was trying to do as I create this Zoom faux pas of not giving you like a centered background, what I was trying to do was show you firsthand 
that these freaking guys are finally breaking ground at Goldberg's Garage. So in the past four days, these dudes have absolutely ripped up, uh, you know, my land. And it's awesome because it's taken shape. So, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the reasoning behind that. So sorry about the unloading and loading. No, it's, dog it, crap. It, it, no it's good. You're like you were saying, Bo, but 2020 was kind of a shit show when we literally got to watch a shit show. Absolutely. We're, it's a great kickoff to the, to the end of the Perfect. Uh, so sorry, I saw you. Jamie. God, <laughs> Jamie's the best. By the way, uh, he's not like a doctor of camshafts. By the way, it's literally anatomy. He's a no, he's no a, doubt. Oh, oh yeah, no, he's what a he's a guy. He's a he's a fantastic uh, uh, a guy. So, uh, so I saw you posted recently that uh, Dave Salvaggio is doing some more work on your car. You got the um, this was the uh, the the charger that um, gearheads worked on. And then he's going to do the, all the wide body stuff on, right? What's, yeah, what's the status you know, there? Have you spoke to him? It's been, it's been the year long project that started at SEMA last year. And yeah, I gave, uh, I gave Dave the, the, I think it's a 2017 uh, Hellcat charger. And um, it started at speed core and then it made its way to Florida and gearheads, um, gearheads, Mario, all his guys did, you know, roll bar parachute and all the uh, <laughs> mechanicals that were needed in, you know, adding the twin turbo, all the yeah. above. So, um, and now it's, it's going to be finished aesthetically up at Dave's shop. Um, yep. open, he opened up a new shop up in Wisconsin. And again, I, I don't have a clue as to what it's going to look like. I'm leaving it up to him. You know, that's why I went to him in the first place. But, uh, you know, I'm pretty excited, man. I, I'm ecstatic. Actually, I got a lot of things going on at once. <laughs> for this once. Is, this is the car that uh, we talked to Mario at Gearheads, and he took it out to test it and, and came back and said, we, we need to look at control arms or lower control arms or something was, was twisting, bending. They, right? He came on board, brother. They, come, they, 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 uh, yeah. they replaced everything. So, you know, they said take it out and, and break it, and we're going to do our damnedest. Well, it's uh, it's going to be exciting uh, to see how that turns out. Um, I know Dave kind of joked around. He's like, "It's going to be purple, and it's going to have this on it and this on it." And I'm like, "We'll see. We'll see how it goes." Um, the original phone call was, "I wanted you to make me a car that when I stepped on the throttle, the earth would freaking move." I wanted a violent car. Yeah. So, in speaking to him yesterday, I said, "Dude, aesthetically." You're the man. That's why I went to you. So you do what you do, but understand if it's not indicative of the of the explanation that I gave you in one sentence at the beginning of this project, then it's going right back to you. So I, yeah. I have nothing but faith in. It. And now you got you got an update on the on the TRX that's coming in soon. TRX came off the assembly line and it will be shipped within. It should be at the dealer at my house within three weeks. That's fantastic. Um, we're gonna we're gonna do a little race to see who drives one first. Because I reached out to my buddies at Dodge and said, "Hey, now that uh, now that you got a couple in your LA, who drives one first? Give me a break. Let's talk about who's gonna own one first. Yeah, I know. I don't get to. I don't get to have that. I don't get to have that. I, I think sometime in, in January, we're going to get one out here to drive as well, which is going to be fantastic because it'll be one of the first cars where we get to sort of compare thoughts back to back on on the Ram TRX. Like I know I drove Raptor and then we sent one down before you left for Texas. Yeah. Uh, we were able to do 
to to do that. But um, but this is going to be fun because I'm hearing so many good things, so many wonderful reviews. The TRX is badass, and you're going to get it and and be able to play around with it for a while before you send it off to to Gearhead again. No, no, Mario's going to be here the day I'm flying <laughs> Mario up here with all his equipment to do what he has to do within 24 hours of me taking delivery of the truck. I'm going to be oh. the first guy to mod it. So let's do what we're going to do. So, so you're going to drive it from the dealer to your house and that's the only time stock you're going to drive it. Most likely and try to rip the tires off of it so I can put nittos on it and then, you know, uh, hand it over to Mario for the Goldberg's garage stage three package. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fantastic to do. Before we uh, wrap it up, we might as well hit this uh, Dodge plug. We all know that Dodge means horsepower and muscle. We were talking about it before. We talked about Dodge being ranked number one in initial quality by JD Power, and JD Power also named Dodge the automotive company with best driver appeal for mass market brands. So it's number one in initial quality and appeal in the same year. And it's the first time a domestic automotive brand ran away with both awards in the same year. And, you know, with enough power, style, and horsepower uh, to, uh, uh, to to make your muscle car dreams come true, it's no wonder Dodge is running away with these awards. So there's never been a better, better time now to join the Brotherhood of Muscle. So see your local Dodge dealer today or visit Dodge.com. Um, all right. So I... Uh, as just before we wrap up, I did go over to uh, uh, I, I I had to fix something on my truck. I went back over to Galpin Auto Sports, and um, they said, "Hey, this is going to take no time at all." <laughs> and uh, they fixed it, and I said, well, "All right, well, let me cruise on over to see my buddy Steve McCord." Steve McCord handles all of the high performance and specialty vehicle sales, so Ford GT, Roush, Shelby vehicles you know, the Shelby trucks, anything you want. And I was like, Hey brother, uh, what's going on with that Mach one that we want to order. And he's like, Oh, here's the, here's the sheet. And I'm glad you stopped by and, 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 you know, pick out what you want. And as we suspected, we always run into this thing where they said, Hey, if you want one of the first ones, you won't be able to get, whatever the performance pack track pack, whatever they said they were, they were going to do. And he said, but if you want to wait a little bit, we could still get your order in and get you one of the first of those. And I said, I, I, I want, I want the whole kit and caboodle. I want, I want all the good bits on it. So I don't know what the timing is when I get the official word, I'll update you on it. Um, but while I was there, uh, because of everyone's comments on, on social media, I flipped the wheels on the truck. You saw the post where I said, should the wheels spin this way or spin that way? Like sort of flow one way or the other. And up close, it has sort of this comet effect with the tail. But when you stand back, it looks like it's kind of going the wrong way. So when we, when we mounted it for SEMA up close, because we've been staring at it, we're like, it should flow that way. When you get back, uh, you don't. So I, I told the guys at, at gas, I said, Hey, since I'm here, can you flip the wheels? Um, now it's a little bit more effort than just flipping them because on all the lightnings um, and most cars that have a directional wheel, the car companies save money by producing one wheel and putting it all on all four corners. So what that means is one half your truck will 
the wheel will sort of angle one way and the other angle the other way. When Brad at Bond Speed Wheels made my wheels, we made them directional. So we have two going one way, two going the other way. But they're staggered. So I have nine inch wide in the front, <laughs> 10 inch wide in the You're such a pain in the ass. When they see you pull up, they got to be <laughs> running for lunch. And, and you mentioned the Nittos. My Nittle 555 G2s are directional. So <laughs> I, I said, hey, I want to flip the wheels. So they had to take the two back wheels, flip them, but they had to take the tires, the tires off and remount the tires back on. And and this is the other part that is is tricky. Is Three when we, days later. When we did the staggered wheels, uh, we, we added more lip, which put more of a deeper pad, if you will, where, where it mounts to the hub. So the holes for the uh, for the lugs are different from the front to the rear. So even when you swap the wheels and swap the tires, you have to keep in mind that the lug nuts for the rear are for the rear and the ones for the front are the front because they're different lengths. And if you swap them, you'd have one lug nut sticking out in the back or in the front and one sucked in. So it's very precise. <laughs> the beauty of customizing vehicles. It is very very precise, but these guys nailed it because they've taken the wheels on and off my truck a hundred times already, ah. and they, they they busted this thing out in like twenty minutes. So now the wheels are flipped. You guys saw it on the story, and that's how I'm ending twenty twenty. That's a <laughs> with, good way to end it with ending it in the right direction. That's what's going on. I'm ending it in the right direction. The wheels, the truck, all of this shit heading in the right direction. Uh, thanks, well, I'm Bob. ending it by listening to the most annoying uh, heavy machinery sound beep, 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 oh, being, yeah. being music to my ears in <laughs> ushering out 2021. Can't so wait ho, to uh, ho ho out the door. 2020 will go. All right, we're gonna see you. Are we gonna see you on TV soon? I don't know when uh, the Goldbergs is airing, but. It'll be pretty soon, I would imagine. It wasn't a Christmas episode, but it'll be soon. All right, I'll well, let you know. We'll, we'll look on your uh, social media and follow you there so we can check that out as well. So um, anyway, thanks, brother. Have a good holiday. Have the best new year. And uh, we're we're done. I think we're going to do a best of show or, or Chris is going to put together something special for us for next week for you guys. And then uh, we'll see you guys in uh, in January. Hey, happy holidays to both you guys, everybody. And uh, 2020, we're, 2021, we're going to kick its ass. So I can't wait for it. I really can't. It's going to be a lot of fun. we got a lot of cool things going on, um, both with you, with you know what we're doing outside of the podcast, movie, television, and car stuff. So Excellent. let's kick the ass. Thanks, guys. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. Ho, ho. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Guys, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Another word from our friends at Geico. 
Do you own your home or you rent your home? Either way, it could be a lot of hard work, but you know what's easy? It's bundling your policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And that's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home already. Just go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. 